Ahoy, and welcome in to Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Bigler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health, treatment, and the school system, how to get help and support wherever you are. Alongside my podcast co-host, Mariska, the Three-Tooth Patterdale Terrier. And so we're here today to, first of all, apologize about last week's episode. Um, it just didn't post. I thought it did. And then I, when I sat down today uh, to record today's episode, I realized, oh my gosh, that hadn't gotten out there. So if that ever happens, feel free to email me and say, where is the episode this week? Sometimes life happens and I won't be able to get one out every week, but um, hopefully those will be few and far between. So today I was thinking to talk about, I was doing some supervision with um, a social worker in Chicago Public Schools. She wants to get her LCSW and we talk about cases and things. And She has some students who are asking themselves like why they do stupid stuff. And I don't know if any of you have ever asked yourself that. You caught yourself saying like, man, I'm so dumb. Why do I do that? And the reality is we're not dumb. You're not dumb. We do things that are self-defeating. We do things that are destructive. And I, I talked about some of this in Understanding Secondary Gains. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, you're welcome to. So hopefully this isn't retreading too much information. But all behaviors have a function. Everything we do has a reason. And sometimes we're not aware of that reason. I remember listening to a, someone else's podcast. I wish I could remember who. And this woman was saying... She would never, ever, ever have sex without a condom. Except for all the times she does. Why would she do that? Well, sometimes she's not making decisions with the same rational mind that she's always using. Sometimes she's drunk. Sometimes she's really aroused. Sometimes there are other things that are going through her head. And the brain that she made the determination that she would never have sex without a condom with is not the brain she's using right in that moment. So... I like to use the analogy of the stinky pole. So if I, I'll say to clients that are in my office, if I had this pillar holding up the ceiling of the office and I walked in one day and I realized it stinks, like, like there's a dead animal in there or something, what should I do? I mean, I guess I could Febreze it, but then I'm just gonna smell like dead animal or Febreze. So that's not a winning combination. So I can't just pull it out. Because if I do, the ceiling will fall in on me. And that's not great. So, what do I do to remove that pull, that support, that behavior? Well, the first thing I have to do is feel around on the ceiling. I may even have to tear it back a little bit to find out where is the beam that that pole is connected to. Because if I want to remove it, I first need to shore things up. And then I'll probably take two smaller beams or four smaller beams and put them on either side of the stinky pole and right up underneath the beam that it's holding. And only after I found where it's, everything is holding itself up and I've put some replacements in, can I pop out that stinky pole. And that's how we have to look at all of our behaviors. It's one thing to think, oh, I know why this kid is doing this behavior or this person or why I'm doing it. They're doing it for attention. I see this so often with kids judging other kids about things like self-injury. Oh, she just does that for attention. Well, people have lots of ways of getting attention. Is it just for that? I know so many self-injurers who make sure nobody ever sees it. So probably, you know, for some people they might need attention, but there's another reason. So let's dig a little deeper. 
And when I have clients in my office, I'll say, well, again, why do you think you did that? Oh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> think about it. Let's find out what itch is that scratching? Because if I give you a replacement behavior that may, you know, if we say, okay, well, I get high before going to bed every night and that helps me fall asleep. But if, if I'm just helping you to fall asleep, if I'm giving you, well, we could take some, you know, Robitussin or, you know, something else, some cough medicine, some Z-Quil. Um, if I'm telling you about meditation apps and things like that, but you also really are longing for the feeling of being high, well, then those solutions are not going to scratch the right itch. That means I'm going to be putting my pole, my replacement poles in the middle of the ceiling. And the ceiling's still going to crash in on me when I pop out that one behavior. Again, we have to have the other behaviors in place, the other replacements in place, before we can extinguish the negative behavior. I have a parent that I was talking to on the phone, and her son is sneaking out of the house at one in the morning and taking an Uber or a Lyft down into the city, which is like you know, 12 miles away, to an area of the city that has, you know, it's okay, but... It has some sketch parts. Um, and to meet up with people that he met online. Well, what is he? She's wondering, why is he doing this? Why is he not just, you know, she's like, I don't even mind if he makes friends with these people. I just want to meet him. I just want to know. In his experience, though, he's a freshman, but he's got no friends at the high school. He's probably on the autistic spectrum. And making friends has been really hard for him. And kids at the high school think he's weird. And so... When word gets out that you're weird, other kids, it's not cool to give you a chance. But the people he meets online, they're not afraid to give him a chance. They'll meet him on his terms, around the interests that he has. And so it's so much easier to put himself out there. And again, if he, there's also, his mom said, oh, and these, the things that they're texting about, it's, it's stuff that's a little too advanced for him romantically and sexually. Well, I've never met a 14-year-old boy who thought anything was too advanced for him romantically and sexually. <laughs> so again, what are the replacements that we're going to offer this kid instead? It's all well and good for mom to say, well, maybe he could join a club or a sport or something, but that's not necessarily going to work. Mariska, is that your phone? You're supposed to silence that. So again, before we try to eliminate a behavior, we have to identify what it's doing, where it's meeting. And again, most behaviors don't just scratch one itch. They do multiple. So when you're looking at your own behaviors and you're saying, hmm, why do I do that? What's what, like, what is, what is wrong with me? Why am I still, I want to lose weight. Why did I eat all that food? Well, some of it might've been that you were hungry. Chances are though, you may also use food as just a way of alleviating boredom, or maybe it's just because of proximity. Before you just get mad at yourself, before you get angry and aggressive with yourself. Again, the question is, is that being mean to yourself, is that negative coach really going to help you to change? Typically, no. I've been a coach for a long time, and I know that being mean and aggressive as a coach is effective in the short term. I can get guys to run wind sprints a lot faster if they're scared of what will happen, if they, you know, if they're going to get demeaned, if they're going to get embarrassed, if I, if I make it feel them feel ashamed for not finishing fast enough. But is that the coach any of us wanted to be coached by? Does it take sadism to be a really great coach? Some of the people in the coaching hall of fame, I, I feel, and this may be an overgeneralization, but I feel like some of the great, the most successful coaches, particularly in women's sports, are those who are nasty and mean and aggressive to their players, who use some of the techniques of intimate partner violence relationships in kind of motivating and some of those players would, you know, they would chew their own arms off to get the approval of that coach. If 
but I don't like that way of coaching. So what do I do instead? Do good coaches hold people accountable? Of course they do. So they say, hey, here's what I think you're capable of and here's what I saw. What do we need to do? They, they'll focus on the technique. I wanna see you putting your right foot forward before you twist your hips. I wanna see any of these things. So they're not just going to tear you down. They're gonna make you see what they see and believe what they believe about your ability and your talent. And that's how we help ourselves Here's out. Here's a result from search. You know, the Not Allowed to Die podcast is all about peeling back the curtain. And obviously that's true with not just mental health treatment, but with how I make the podcast, how Mariska and I make the sausage that's going on around here. I started recording the podcast you were, you've been listening to on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sitting there and before the game began, and Mariska and I were like, this is a good time for us to get this done. But then you heard the phone ring and I silenced it one time. And then kept going tried to push through because the show must go on and I don't believe in editing or really listening to the podcast before I put it out I just kind of turn it on hit record and start talking so you're getting my unfiltered and lazily unedited thoughts then the phone rang again and I said you know what I'm just going to scrap this and it was the same person uh, a former student and now I consider a friend almost pseudo daughter of mine and I knew something must be up because if she was calling back twice in a short order, it meant things weren't good. And her boyfriend has gone through a lot of stuff. He's had a lot of surgeries recently, and he has a history of addiction and serious mental health conditions. He's been hospitalized multiple times for being suicidal. And you could say, wow, this guy sounds like a real winner. But he is a winner. Uh, I like him a lot. He's been to my house he's met my kids and um, he's in med school so he's a really sharp guy just so just because people have emotional health demons does not mean that they are not also incredible people but at this point he had because of his surgery he's been taking painkillers and for a person who has an addiction history that can be a recipe for disaster and in his case it turned out to be in that he got addicted to them and ended up stealing some painkillers from the place where he was on a rotation for medical school. And he kind of had a bit of a breakdown because he had been found out. And now my <clears throat> former student, former client was kind of calling me and saying, yeah, I don't know what to tell him now because I'm really afraid if this derails his shot at being a doctor, that he's going to kill himself. And how do I act as a support? And I'm tacking this on to this podcast because, again, it's about what are our behavior? Why would this person who has so much going for him, why would he risk something by taking these, stealing this medication from a place where you know you're going to get caught if you're thinking with your rational mind? But again, when we are dealing with addiction, we're not thinking with a rational mind. One of the things that she and I were talking about is we can find ways to salvage the situation make sure that he doesn't get booted out of med school if he doesn't have legal issues. But that might just put him right back in the situation. And perhaps, and as, again, this episode relates very much to the, the secondary gains of blowing our life up, sometimes we blow our lives up because we need out. And we have to figure out, how do we do that? And when we don't know how to fix it, sometimes we will do something that will make it 
explode in a way that needs change. And that's what we see so often. I don't know how to make this better, and all I know how to do is make it worse. So the good news is I just actually now, it's uh, Thursday, several days later, between Super Bowl Sunday and now, I've had Achilles tendon surgery, so I'm sitting in my bed, keeping my foot elevated, and Mariska is right by my side. You'll be happy to know she's uh, taking a break from her busy schedule to make sure that uh, she is tending to me constantly. But I just got off the phone with um, a student to get the follow-up, and her boyfriend has checked himself into a uh, rehab unit, and she didn't try to do it on her own. They have help in both the city he was in med school in and the city that she lives in and met him in. And they've got kind of a team. She was saying, you know what? I need to now take a step back because caring for him has taken a toll on my mental health. But I feel terrible that right when he needs me most, I might be stepping back. So she said, I'm not going to announce it to him. I'm not going to say, hey, while you're in, in rehab, I'm you know going on a break. But I do think it's a helpful and appropriate that she do that and also at the right time to tell him that because what can often keep people in rehab or dealing with mental health issues pursuing the path of treatment is knowing that they may be sacrificing a relationship so again life imitates art imitates you know just we're, we're finding that everywhere i look i see these behaviors of people doing quote unquote stupid things and again if we want to stop doing self-defeating behaviors. We need to examine what are all the functions. We need to solve not only the problem, we need to not only get out of the negative consequences, sometimes those consequences are there to teach us. I have a poster up in my basement with Nelson Mandela's face on it. It says, I never lose, I either win or I learn. And often we have to learn from those consequences. So in the case of her boyfriend, he is his life is moving forward. and. Unfortunately, he did when he got back to his home city where he's in med school. Um, again, not intending to, but he just kind of impulsively took way too much oxycotton and hydrocodone and whatnot. But fortunately, this is a person who's often been suicidal. He alerted a friend who he was with, hey, like, I need you to get some Narcan. I just did this. I don't know why I did it. But there was, again, a part of his body that was just craving those drugs so greatly and probably a part of his body that just wanted to get away from the idea of treatment. Maybe I just need to end this. But fortunately, he had the will to live to say, get me that Narcan. And they went to the ER and he got his stomach pumped. And, you know, now he's on the road to getting healthier. I really sincerely, if I had him as my doctor someday, would trust him because this is a smart, sharp guy. We do not separate people into the two camps of the broken and the healthy. All Everybody, if you get to know their story well enough, is going to have broken moments. And that doesn't mean that they are not exceptional humans. So anyway, I just wanted to pull back the curtain a little bit on the podcast and apologize again for uh, (laughs) things coming out at a slightly different schedule than they would normally be. I hope I'll make another recording while I'm sitting in the bed uh, this week. So we'll have, you know, podcasts on schedule for the next couple of weeks. But if you have a question for me, email me at daniel.magler at live.com and follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. If you have a chance to rate it, we would certainly appreciate your rating so you can spread the word. If you have topics also for me, please send them my way and do whatever it takes to get you through this world. Just remember, you are not allowed to die.
now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.